Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help or if you need prayer of any kind, you can text the keyword, I need help to 31996. Or if you give your life to the Lord, we would love to know. You can text the keyword, I said yes, to that same number, 31996. Someone from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. Well, howdy. Howdy. All right. We here today. And you know, the first thing I always like to do, wasn't worship great today? I'm telling you, I'm in the mood. I am in the mood. And I wanted to do two shout outs. First of all, if you haven't been across the breezeway to the children's department, last week they had summer breeze. Blast. Felt like a breeze, but it was a blast. Over 80 kids signed up online. Now, if you don't think that we're learning how to be the church better, given the things that have been going on in our world, you need to wake up And as my daddy used to tell me, you better pay attention. You better pay attention. We're getting better at this. So I want to do all of us a shout out to Chamberlain and all of her staff. What a great job they did. (laughs) Helping our kids get the word of God in them. And as always, uh, I love our pastor, our senior pastor. Now, he will be back next week. Yes. Yes. While he's enjoying his last two days of rest, I just want us all, he's watching online. He told me, he's texted me twice. (laughs) He's watching online. (laughs) So uh, let's let him know, and Sister Stacy, sweet pastor, Sister Stacy, let's let them know how much we appreciate them. Come on, let's give it up for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you guys know there's going to be some participation, right? How many of y'all know me? Okay, so we're practicing. We're practicing. Hands going up, that's a good thing. Okay. So, y'all know, first of all, um, when I speak, you know, I go to my notes. I mean, I wish I was gifted like Christine I wish I was gifted like Christine where I could, you know, have six words and 30 minutes to say. I'm just, I'm just not like that. I'm, ExxonMobil said, write it down. <laughs> they told me to write it down. So, before Pastor Randy asked me to speak, he always asked me, do I have anything to share? What's God been saying or doing in my life? And would I like to share it? I actually was not feeling up to it. Now, this is back in May because life had continued to present lots of challenges. Wasn't feeling up to it, but God had a better plan. It occurred to me over these last few months that God has been wanting me to reevaluate some of the stuff in my life, primarily my attitude, to determine if I had any gaps. You know, as Pastor Randy says, he wanted to see if I could get a little bit better. 
He has been particularly focused on the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I started working on this message about four weeks ago. And imagine my surprise when Christine started out with the fruit of the Spirit last week. So immediately I asked God, did I miss him? Should I change? I sensed him saying, I wanted you to spend some time studying the fruit of the Spirit for yourself, and I thought you'd dig a little bit deeper if you thought it was for them. And I thought, gosh, that kind of hurt my feelings. Kind of hurt my feelings. I said, what are you trying to say? And he's led me to the first part of 2 Corinthians 12, 13. And fellas, if you would put that up. Examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. So now you know what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be examining and testing and evaluating our own selves. Okay? All right. <laughs> All right. A bit on the Summer at the Crossing series. Pastor Dallas talked about being the light of the world, to keep growing, to put on joy, and to be a contributor, not a consumer. It's important to be a contributor. Our world needs contribution from the church, what only the Spirit of God can give. Pastor Orlando talked about bringing the culture of heaven to earth. He called it embracing the culture of the ransomed. We've been ransomed because Jesus paid the price for us with his life. He talked about how Paul challenged Philemon and Onesimus to go beyond their traditional social and cultural boundaries and embrace the culture of heaven. This requires a heart change. We can't do it in ourselves. Last Sunday, Christine talked about watch where you walk. It was an invitation to gospel living and gospel power. So, you know, I always like to start with a scripture to kind of ground everything. So, fellas, if you would put up Hebrews 4.12. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of the life, soul, and the immortal spirit. And of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. Now get this part. Exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. It exposes, it sifts, it analyzes, and it judges the very thoughts and purposes of our heart. That's important. So let's call today's message, God asked me to examine my fruit. So repeat after me. God asked me to examine my fruit. God asked me to examine whose fruit? My fruit. fruit. Okay. Jesus said in Matthew 7 that you will know them by their fruit. By the way, the disciples talk about Jesus using the word fruit over 40 times in the gospel. They talk about him using the word love over 40 times in the gospel. Isn't it interesting how much he talks about love and fruit? Galatians 5, through 23. 
Fellas, if you'd put that up. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. How many of you are experiencing limited fruit in your life right now? Can I see a show of hands? Limited fruit. And oh, by the way, I can see through the TV camera. So if you're sitting on your couch and you're not raising your hand, I see you. I see you. Remember the second part of our mission here at the crossing is to help people find freedom. Part of finding freedom is found in James 5, 16. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Raising your hand is sort of confessing you have a fault and you need help. So as you listen to the definitions that I'm getting ready to put up, listen for yourself, not the person sitting next to you or you wish was sitting next to you. You're examining yourself. So fellas, let's start with love. Love, divine love. A strong, enthusiastic, tender, compassionate devotion to the well-being of another. Strong, enthusiastic, tender devotion to the well-being of another. Next, joy. The emotional excitement, gladness, delight over blessings received or expected for self and for others. Received or expected. Now, peace. The state of quietness, rest, tranquility, harmony, order, and security in the midst of turmoil, storms, strife, and temptations. Peace. Patience. Patient endurance to bear long with the frailties, offenses, injuries, and provocations of others. You all know what a provocation is? Yeah, it's when they mess with you, right? <laughs> Without murmuring, complaining, or resentment. Kindness, a disposition to be gentle, soft-spoken, kind, even-tempered, cultured, and refined in character and conduct. Goodness, the state of being good, kind, virtuous, benevolent, generous, and godlike in life and character. Faithfulness, the living, divinely implanted, acquired, and created principle of inward and wholehearted confidence, assurance, trust, and reliance in God and all that he has said and says. Gentleness, the disposition to be gentle, kind, indulgent, even balanced in tempers and passions, and patient in suffering injuries without feeling a spirit of revenge. Let me just stop here for a second. Notice that lost part, and patient in suffering injuries without feeling a spirit of revenge. That's what gentleness is. And the last one, self-control. A moderation in the indulgence of the appetites and passions while being able to exercise self-constraint. Now, I got these from Strong's Concordance. This is, these are all the Greek words that go along with those words. So you know that the Greek language is actually like four or five times thicker than the English language because they, they take longer to say what they mean. And sometimes I think we need that. I think we need that, because sometimes I don't think we know what we mean, okay? All right, so 
All of these elements are critical and essential, but I'd like to highlight the two bookends of the list, love and self-control. Then talk about examining ourselves so we can grow. So bookends, if you look at the list, the first one is love, the last one is self-control. They kind of hold everything together. And have you noticed that if you're walking in love and you're practicing self-control, you're actually a pretty nice person, right? It's when you're not loving and when you're not practicing self-control that you're not very nice. All right, so let's go to scripture, 1 Corinthians 13. Let's see what God said about love. And this is, this is a long scripture, but it's the most complete definition of what I think he meant when he said love. If I had the gift of being able to speak in other tongues, in other languages, without learning them, and could speak in every language there is in all of heaven and earth, but didn't love others, I would only be making a noise. Some versions call that sounding like a cymbal or clang. If I had the gift of prophecy and knew all about what is going to happen in the future, knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would it do? Even if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. If I gave everything I have to poor people, and if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatever. Love is very patient and kind, never jealous or envious, never boastful nor proud, never haughty or selfish, or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and or touchy. Let me stop right there. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It's not touchy. It's not touchy. I know none of y'all ain't been touchy this week. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It's never glad about injustice but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. These are not wimpy, weak need, watered down claims. They are an incredibly challenging description of God's standard for love love in relationships. And we need to remember, he didn't just tell us to do it, he demonstrated it to us first, right? Now let's look at the other book in self-control. There are a number of scriptures that talk about the consequences of the absence of self-control. So let's start with Proverbs 25, 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now let's remember the context when Solomon wrote this. If you, did not have, if you did not live in a city that had high walls, thick walls, strong walls, you got pillaged, plundered, and burned. The part that got my attention is that they take your women. <laughs> I don't want nobody taking my woman, you know what I'm saying? So I need to exercise some self-control. So. What did Paul say about the absence of self-control in Romans 7:15? And I just love this. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't. 
I do what I don't want to, what I hate. I know perfectly well that what I do is wrong, but my bad conscience and my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I am breaking. But I can't help myself because I know I am no longer doing it. It is sin inside of me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. I know I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. These are pictures of what the absence of self-control can look like. I call these bookends because, again, everything else kind of fits in between them. There's a lot of overlap, if you know what I'm saying. So, so if you may have spent years trying to work to develop the fruit of the Spirit, the gospel has a better approach to spiritual growth than trying to do it on your own. And here are two things I'd like you to consider. Here's the first examination. So we have some students in here. Y'all love tests, huh? I think that's a no. <laughs> I think that's a no. Here's the first examination. Healthy fruit comes from deep roots. So how deep are your roots? How deep are your roots? With a plant, you don't grow fruit by focusing on the fruit. Fruit happens naturally when the roots are deep and healthy. The same is true in our spiritual life. Some Christians approach spiritual growth like stapling roses to a dead rose bush. If you drive by and look at that kind of rose bush quickly, you might be deceived into thinking it's healthy. But stapling on roses does not fix the real problem. Eventually, the rosebuds shrivel and die because they aren't really connected to anything. In the same way, we won't grow spiritually by us trying to staple love, joy, peace, and patience and everything else to our lives. We can only do it by driving our roots deep into Christ. The more we embrace his love and his promises, the more spiritual fruit will appear in our lives. In John 14, John 15, four through five, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And so we're Christians, right? Now, just think about the absoluteness of that statement. Without him, you can do nothing that looks like the kingdom. Without him, you can do nothing. We do a whole lot of stuff without him. And as a result, we have stuff going on that doesn't look like the kingdom. We have to abide in him. Now, here's the second examination. And I'm gonna ask you a question, and I just ask you to ponder it. Could it be that you're only mature as your least mature fruit? Could it be that you're only mature 
as your least mature fruit. When you read Galatians 5, you might wonder about Paul's grammar in verse 22. He says, the fruit is, then he lists a bunch of stuff. He says, fruit singular. Shouldn't he have said the fruits of the Spirit? He wasn't practicing sloppy grammar for all you English teachers. He was not practicing sloppy grammar. He was pointing out that these are not separate virtues that you staple onto your life, but the collective evidence that Christ lives in you. If he's in you, then they will all start to appear as they are nurtured. They will all start to appear as they are nurtured. Sometimes we confuse personality traits for spiritual fruit. For example, some Christians are more stoic by nature. We look at them and we say, wow, aren't they patient? But they're not joyful or kind. Any of y'all know anybody like that? Are they sitting? No, never mind. Okay. Or a Christian who is really gentle and kind, but never tells anybody about Jesus. If you love someone, you want to share what you, what you have. Or maybe someone is bold in telling someone about Jesus, but they do it in such a mean way. When you find one virtue far out of balance from the others, it's likely you're looking at a personality trait and not the gospel fruit. When you find one way out of balance, probably their personality. Where Jesus is, all the fruit groweth one. You can be bold and kind, gentle and compassionate, patient and joyful. Could it be that you're only mature as your least mature fruit? When you, insert, when you observe an area where you are fruitless, perhaps this is where you have yet to apply the gospel to your life. So have you ever, how, how many of y'all like to cook? Okay, well, let me ask the question differently. How many of you like to eat? Okay, so when it's cooked well, you like that, right? Most of the things that we eat are a combination of ingredients, right? Now, I'm 65, and when, I, when my mom started teaching me how to bake cakes, they didn't have all that. I mean, you had to make it from scratch, right? Have you ever made a nice cake without active yeast? That's, that's where brownies came from. That's where brownies came from. If you're missing a critical ingredient, the whole food tastes terrible or nasty or incomplete. Let me give you another example of everyday maturity. So you see a social post that gets you fired up. Anybody seen one of those? Perhaps before you hit the send button on your phone or computer, does what you are about to say or share have its roots in scripture and are you saying it in a kind way? We're Christians. We should be sharing the kingdom. 
And there's a whole bunch of stuff being said in social media right now that has nothing to do with the kingdom. And unfortunately, Christians are just as guilty. So let's be different, okay? If it's not rooted in Scripture, don't say it, right? Yeah, I like that. In Mark 14, Mark 4, 14, Jesus compared the Word of God to a seed, and then he told this parable in verses 26 through 28. Fellas, would you put that up? The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the, bee, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain appears. First, Jesus used this parable to teach that God's word has to be planted like a seed in our hearts, which are the soil. Just as a seed doesn't release its life until it's planted into the ground, God's word will not set us free until we get it in our hearts. The Bible says, if you abide in me, this is what Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will know the truth, and the truth that you know will make you free. There's got to be some abiding. Having the Bible on our tables, in our hands, on our phones, on our iPads, or just in our heads is just not sufficient. We have to let God's word penetrate our hearts. Second, the man who sowed the seed slept and rose day after day. It takes time for a seed to germinate. You can't plant a seed one day and expect to see it growing the next day. Just because there's nothing visible going on above the ground doesn't mean there's not something going on below the ground. Likewise, we have to have faith that the seed of God's word, together with the help of the Holy Spirit, will do what it was designed by God to do, produce its fruit in its time. Many people dig up the seed or the word of God by speaking directly, directly against what it says. They let natural circumstances override what God has said. The Bible says we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. James said it this way in James chapter one. He said, a double-minded man, double-minded means it's this way today, it's that way tomorrow. That's double-minded. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. All. What does all mean? A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. So, the effort on your part, on my part, on our part, is to put God's word, the seed, in our heart and protect and nurture it. That's where worship, meditation, prayer, fasting, and fellowship with other believers comes in. Then God's word, the seed, and the Holy Spirit will produce the fruit or change that you're looking for. In the natural, we recognize that we can't have a harvest without planting seeds. 
But in the spiritual realm, we Christians try it all the time. David said it this way in Psalm 119, verse 11, and this isn't in there. He said, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do we not sin? Store up the word, plant the seed. Now, I'd like you to hear the heart behind these next few statements. Okay, so uh, it's going to feel like I'm poking some of you in the eye, and I'm not doing that, okay, because that's not what I do. So I want you to kind of hear the heart behind this. I mean, I asked, I told God, I said, do you want me to say this? And he said, Reggie, if you don't say it, I'm going to spank you. I don't like spankings. I don't like spankings. So listen to this. Instead of going to the word and meditating in the scriptures for ourselves, we often run to someone who has spent time in the word and ask them for help. Getting counsel from folks who are more mature is a really good thing and sometimes absolutely necessary. Sometimes, though, that shortcuts the process of seed, time, and growth. And it's the seed, it's that process that God is wanting to lead us through himself. I'm saying that there's tremendous value, perhaps the most value, in learning how to feed yourself. Each of us learning to come directly to our Father, coming to his word. Does that make sense? Now, how many of you, if you don't have young children, you've had young children, do you remember what it was like to feed them, teach them how to feed themselves? Was it messy? Can you see why God wants us to learn how to feed ourselves? Because sometimes when we're learning how to feed ourselves, it gets a little messy. And we have to remember that our heavenly Father, our heavenly Father is patient. He's patient. Not only that, he's a great teacher. The Holy Spirit is described as a helper and a teacher. And it's important. If we're going to stand in the days that are to come, we've got to get better at feeding ourselves. Make sense? Okay. So if we're not feeding ourselves, what happens is, because we don't see immediate results, we get confused, frustrated, angry, and offended. God can and does meet needs through the faith of others. But it's often temporary and it's not his primary way of touching us. He wants to touch us directly himself. He wants each of us to have a personal relationship connection with him. So let's talk about application. So I want to ask a question. Where do you shop for your seed? Where do you shop for your seed? I'd like to propose that perhaps we've been shopping at too many places or even the wrong place. Pastor Orlando talked about bringing the culture of heaven to earth. God has given us his spirit, so the culture of heaven already lives inside of us. Think of it as the soil. 
Now for the work that the Holy Spirit was doing in me. You know, I like to use myself as an example because one of the things that we think it's really important here, one of our core values is to be real. We need to be in a place where we can take off our mask. If you're the only one that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. God built us for community. He built us for community, okay? So, I want to provide context by opening a a window of what's been happening in my family since March of this year. And again, I'm not sharing to elicit sympathy, but to give you a window into my personal struggle and why God wanted me to examine myself. I also share this with the understanding of what Jesus said in John 10.10, where he says that the thief comes only the only reason he comes is to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's the only reason he comes. He doesn't even like the people that are working for him. He doesn't like them. He wants to kill them too because there's a chance they could discover Jesus. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have that life more abundantly. So here's what was going on in March. I get called in early March that my dad was extremely sick and that he may only have a few hours to a few days to live. Anyone that knows me knows that my dad is my earthly hero. People started praying and I jump on a plane, thinking that I'm going to do my dad's funeral and hoping to get there in time to say goodbye. My brothers and I make the decision not to treat him because we are told the treatment, if it's successful and if, if it doesn't kill him, will probably destroy the rest of his cognitive abilities. So we send him back to Chelsea Place where they can keep him comfortable until he gets to meet Jesus face to face. Three days later, to everyone's surprise, we're sitting in his room drinking strawberry milkshakes and having a good time. The medical staff concluded it was a bona fide miracle because they told us without the treatment, he's going to die and the treatment may kill him. Three days later, strawberry milkshakes. It's his favorite milkshake. So if you ever see my dad, if you offer him a strawberry milkshake, he will not say no. In May, we learned that a part of the cancer in Debbie's body has started growing again and the recommended, the recommended path forward is for her to have two major surgeries. In preparation, they wanna try a new drug to see if it will stabilize the growth before she has the surgery. Two cycles of the new, job, the new drug, new images, and the thing that had been growing has shrunk over 40%. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a result, she gets to cancel the major surgeries. And just last Monday, Debbie had another CAT scan and it shrunk another 30%. And I wanna thank all of you for your continued, fervent, effectual prayer for Debbie and her complete recovery. I thank you for that. So, that was May. Then we get to June. I get a call from my mom's caregiver 
that when she arrived at her house, she found my mom on the floor. She'd been down there for over 12 hours because she could not get up. It's the third time in the last year and a half that she's been down. And last year when she went down, she broke her hip. Now we need to make a decision with regard to her safety and well-being that we know she's not going to support. My mom and dad have been living in this house in 10 days. It will be 49 years. So a decision to move her, let me just say it, she would not happen. And did I tell you that since I'm the oldest brother, my brothers elected me to tell her it's their version of democracy at work. She moved three weeks ago. Ten days ago. I learned that my middle brother, Alan, was diagnosed with leukemia. And I learned four days ago that 98% of his blood was cancerous, barely able to sustain life. He's in the hospital for at least a month as they work to try and destroy the cancer. I covet your prayers for him. That's, my, that's without COVID. And again, I understand that each of you is experiencing, here's the biblical word, crap. And what is God wanting to teach us through the fruit of the Spirit? Last year, I used the illustration of an enclosed fence with the boards or planks representing the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. I talked about what was going on in our life at the time, which was Reggie's death and Debbie's diagnosis, and how the boards that made up the fence that represented the fruit had started falling. The first two that fell were joy and peace. In my opinion, those are the two elements of fruit that I think most characterize my life. Now, Debbie may not say that, my children may not say that, but that's what I think. They are also the ones that come under the most intense attack when stuff happens in my life. Over the last month or so, God has been showing me why. I had secretly gotten prideful about how joyful and peace-filled I could be when stuff happened. I had secretly gotten prideful about how joyful and peace-filled I could be when crap happened. I did not even know that this was happening in my heart, but God did. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God showed me I was relying on myself this is called pride. I was relying on myself for my joy, my peace, and they were both dying and being destroyed. Because it is not my joy, it is not my peace that can sustain me. 
They are fruit from the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, produced by the seeds that have been sown in my heart as I have meditated on Scripture. The Greek word translated fruit refers to the natural product produced by the inherent energy of a living organism. Let me read that again. The Greek word for fruit refers to the natural product produced by the inherent energy of a living organism. That living organism is the Holy Spirit, and it is the transfer of his energy, literally his life, from him to my spirit that produces the fruit in my life. The joy and peace that I experience is generated by the word of God and the activity of the Holy Spirit. I got that twisted. I got it twisted. And because he loves me, he corrected me and reminded me that his grace is sufficient. The joy and peace are flowing back as I have received from him and continued to nurture, to take care of, to cherish the seed that's been planted in my heart. In John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in, this is, not, this is not up there, so just listen to this. In John 16, this is in the Amplified Classic, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you will have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. You will have tribulation and trials and frustration and distress. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. It's not our effort. It's the effort of God in our life. So I wanna go ahead and get ready to take communion. So if you would get your communion elements ready. And I'd ask you to do what we talked about doing in the very first, second scripture, which is 2 Corinthians 13, 5. It says to examine and test and evaluate your own self to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. I propose that perhaps we are only mature as our least mature fruit. As I read off the list of the fruit of the Spirit, I'm trusting you will sense a prompting from the Holy Spirit to stand up when there's something he wants to produce more of in you, since all of us can get better. Do all of us agree that we can all get better? Show of hands, show of hands. Thank you, thank you. Think of it this way. 
Is there a fruit that's inside of me that's underdeveloped that God wants to strengthen so you can contribute it to the world around you? When you think about our mission, we talked about find freedom. The last thing in our mission is to make a difference. As the fruit is developed in us, we have it to contribute to the world, and that's what makes the difference. It's when Jesus said, I'm gonna give you my spirit so you can be a witness, right? So we need the fruit developed in us so it's overflowing so that we can be a witness. So we're gonna put the list up. As you hear the fruit, that you believe the Holy Spirit is prompting you, that he wants to see more of in you, I want you to stand up. And for those of you online, I know that you may be sitting by yourself. I may, you, you may be sitting with people that you don't know very well, but I'd ask you to trust the Holy Spirit. He wants to do something this morning, okay? So fellas, would you start the first list? So. If love is something that you need more of, I'd like you to stand up. If joy is something that you need more of, I'd like you to stand up. If peace is something that you need more of, I'd like you to stand up. If patience is something that you need more of, I'd like you to stand up. If kindness is something that you need more of, I need you to stand up. If goodness is something that you need more of, I'd like you to stand up. If faithfulness is something that you need more of, I'd like you to stand up. If gentleness is something that you need more of, I'd like you to stand up. And if self-control is something that you need more of, I'd like you to stand up. Now, all of you watching online, I want you to know, literally everybody in this place is standing up. We have responded to what James said in James chapter five, confess your faults you're recognizing that there's an area that you need help. Jesus said, I'm going to send the helper. And so as we take communion, I want you to think about it a little bit differently today. Jesus provided everything when he obeyed his father, allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed for us. Because his body was broken, we can experience wholeness. Wholeness of all of the fruit. Normally we break this. Today, we're not going to break it because we're gonna let it represent wholeness of all of the fruit in your life. So I would like you to Take the bread and believe that you are whole. Let's take the bread. Now, because his blood was shed, guess what we get? 
Yes, it covers our sin, but there's another benefit. We get refreshing and nourishment. How many of you need nourishment right now? I mean, what's been going on has just drained you. His blood, as a matter of fact, it's like I was talking about my brother. When your blood's not healthy, you can die. You can die. Jesus shed his blood so that we could live. And so as we take the cup this morning, I want you to receive the life that Jesus has provided for us by his atoning sacrifice on the cross. So all of us, let's take the cup. Now let's pray. Father, we are so grateful. We're grateful that you remind us that we are responsible for examining ourselves. That in fact, we know that when we look inside, when you're with us, that it's not actually a spanking. It's a correction that comes with encouragement and the enablement to actually get better. So this morning we receive wholeness, the fullness of all the fruit, and we see the refreshment and the nourishment that was provided by your son's blood. And for that, we are grateful. We are grateful. And all of us that received said, amen. Now let's give him a hand for what he has done for us. Amen, 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 amen. Now, um, you know, we always, uh, you can leave your ties in the back, in the boxes, or there's always the online stuff. But here's what I want you to walk away with. You change today. You change today. And when you walk out there and the first thing happens that wants to test it, I want you to remind yourself that he is able to keep you. He's able to keep you. The Bible says that no one can snatch you out of his hand and we can be responsible for our attitude. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Or you can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc.